course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dave, and joined as the other host, as always, by the other host, Ike. Ike, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm all right. So today, we have a special uh, episode, one of our, another one of our franchise episodes. Today, we're going to talk Nightmare on Elm Street. We are going to count down our favorite uh, of the nine movies from nine to one, tell you what we think. Uh, give a little information on each one and talk about each one. And then to wrap up the show today, we are going to give a review of Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story, a documentary that will be out on Screenbox on June 6th, which happens to be Robert England's birthday. So watch for that and make sure you give it a listen. Uh, also, here in just a moment, we're going to kick and have a wise rebuttal. I, uh, Monica and Kayla will be joining us to talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. And it's going to essentially, though, be a couple versus couple, as Monica and I do not care for the movie, and Isaac and Kayla think it is a pretty good movie. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to discuss that, debate that, and see where that goes. Uh, so, Ike, before we uh, dive into Nightmare, because uh, we've got, you know, this discussion will take us a while. Uh, and before we get to the wiser rebuttal, anything you want to want to throw in? Anything you've been up to to start the show or anything? I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't really have anything. I haven't really watched much of anything. Just been working and everything else, but uh, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to clutter the airwaves too much because, man, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, not not much. I was gonna say, um, just for people who are interested on in a little peek behind the curtain, um, we record two episodes pretty close to one another because I'm going on vacation. So the next time I yeah, talk yeah. to you guys after this episode, I will have come back from vacation. So um, yeah. that's that's fun. But otherwise, no, nothing new. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's just not not been enough time for us to really do anything else since the last recording. But, uh, yeah, we had to to kind of pre-record something a little earlier than usual. And uh, it just worked out well getting to do this. uh, You know, we got a screener link to watch this documentary that's getting ready to come out, which led to wanting to do a uh, nightmare count. So it all worked out for worked out that we were able to uh, actually uh, pre-record and put something together that's still relevant. That's just that's 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 remarkable. It is. So but before we get to our countdown in our review, Let's jump in to our uh, special segment this episode. Wives Rebuttal. All right, on this episode, we have another installment of our Wives Rebuttal segment. And this was going to tie into our discussion today of Nightmare on Elm Street, the franchise. Uh, Particularly, it's going to tie into a discussion on the remake uh from 2010 uh but it's a little unique today because instead of uh wives versus husbands it's going to be couple versus couple because we're very split on our opinions on this movie so uh joining us is my wife monica hello monica hello and joining us is ike's wife kayla hello kayla hi (laughs) sounds very timid (laughs) We're, we're, we're these strong boisterous that Kayla just come in there like, hi. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, <laughs> she, she's sitting there like, oh, Isaac, are you going to be quiet? Am I allowed to talk? <laughs> I'll be quiet. To, to be fair, I don't know how a person can get awarded edgewise with the three of us. Um, but 
But just we'll sorry. see. This may be like last, last installment where it was just pretty much Ike and Monica. <laughs> so it's possible. <laughs> that's the first time, but that's all it was. But anyway, we're going to discuss the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, because we'll we'll talk about it more in our, our rankings. But uh, this is one that Ike and I had to. There had to be some consolation on my part because, <laughs> uh, to be frank, I fucking hate this movie. And uh, and Monica joins me in that wish, but Ike and Kayla like the movie, so that's why it's a it's a couple versus couple thing here, young versus old, uh, whatever you want to call it on on the merits of the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake. So let's let our guests start first, Ike. Wh- which one of you wants to pipe in first and uh, and 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 give your opinions on this movie? I can already hear Monica uh, chomping at the bit, so why, why don't we let her go first? Yeah, she's trying to be polite and see if Kayla <laughs> will, will come up, but we all know that Monica's been raring to go. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. so... All right, Monica, you're representing here, so make sure you... Okay, so uh, to be honest, let's, let's start out with I love Nightmare on Elm Street, the original movie. Obviously, at my age, I was there when it came out in the theater and saw it in the theater, and I, it was just amazing. It scared me. It it was fantastic. It was well acted, well written, well produced, and especially well, like, at a time. Let me, Monica, let me run up to you real quick for our listeners' sake, because everyone on the call might have an idea of this. For our listeners' sake, Monica really holds the opinion, honestly, that Nightmare on Elm Street should have been a trilogy and stopped there. And after three, it's, it's, it's pretty worthless. But that's a that's another. That's another hot take for another time. That's not what we're discussing today. So <laughs> so I love this movie. And when you think about the effects that they had available to them, it was fantastic. We didn't have the special effects back then. So and we walk. Yeah. And we walked uphill barefoot to school. I know. So I was so excited when they this was going to come out. And I'm like, OK. But then they're like. No, Robert England. How do you have a Nightmare on Elm Street without Robert England? I mean, let's just start. That is the very first thing. That is you. There are few movies that the that that the killer is so known to the actor, you know. And yeah, there were there were Jason Voorhees that that were better than others, but the, it wasn't. That actor didn't make that role. You know, Halloween, same thing. There were some that, you know, were better than others, but that actor didn't make the role. Freddy Krueger is Robert England. So what the hell were they doing screwing with that? So that that is that is my that right there for me, put this movie from like a possible 10 to the highest I was going to like it was going to be a five. And then when you look at the rest of the cast, this movie should have been good. You had, you know, you had Rooney Mara. You had Kyle Gagner. You had Katie Cassidy. You had Kellen Lutz. You had Connie Britton, Clancy Brown, Christian Stoll. You had, you had a really good cast. And the movie literally sucked balls. I don't I don't remember that part of the movie. You said literally. I don't remember balls sucking in the movie. But <laughs> Well, did you not? And, th- and that's another thing I have a problem with. Ball sucking? <laughs> well, I want to each their own. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but when you this movie, we know Freddy's backstory. We know that he was heinous to kids, and 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 all that. You did not need to go into the graphic details of why Freddy Krueger was a bad guy because we know why Freddy Krueger was a bad guy. There was no need to get into the gratuitous, you know, details of him molesting the children and all of that stuff. It wasn't needed. It well, was pure gratuitous information. Let me, let me let me add my part to this. Here's my thing. You're you're 100 correct. I, it has a great cast. I love everybody. Pretty much is in it. Everybody. And uh, and 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 Robert England kind of gave his blessing. He said it was time to remake. And he was he was happy with casting. But of course, you know, he, he's a professional, so he probably would say that regardless. Right. Right. My big thing is the, the the script in the movie is just boring. It is so boring. It it takes forever. It it just it's uh, it, it's not scary. It, it, they the, they they try to remake too many little of the cliches from the other movies to, to put in there. It, they don't work. And I I don't know. It's just a chore for me to watch because it is so damn boring and it's so hard for me to get through it. And um, I don't know. I just don't I don't feel like. I don't know. And Freddie looked weird as hell too. He just—I didn't like the new makeup. He, he looked odd, and uh, and everything else. So I don't know. It was—it was just. Yeah. I just don't like the movie at all. I mean, it's—it it bores me. So. All right. So, uh, Kayla, do you want to counter? Sure. So, I feel like we need to look at this movie as new eyes. You even said that you guys went to the theater and watched it. But I feel like this movie brings in an audience for like new horror fans that might have not seen the original, that weren't alive when it came out, a.k.a. me. <laughs> so I just feel like it still tells the story of Nightmare on Elm Street, but in a different lens to kind of direct it towards a younger audience. Yeah, I, uh, just to kind of add to that, you know, I, I guess to add to that, but also to rebuke some of the claims that, you know, had been previously made. Um, I, I think it's important that in these instances, um, you, you have these, you know, you have a movie, right? You have Ni- a Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. You know, they had done, you know, a bajillion sequels. Um, some were better than others. Um, and, you know, indefinitely, there are some that are more worthy than others. Um, but what I would definitely say that kind of struck me about the conversation so far is the um, the reference to Robert England not being in the remake. Now, obviously, I, I don't know. I did a little research because I, I knew that that was going to be something that you guys brought up. But I'm going to be honest. Robert England turned down the role. He was offered the role of reprising Freddy in this movie. And he distinctly turned down the role because he was not keen on doing a remake, which is fine. So I, I think my only issue with that point is, yeah, it sucks that he wasn't there, but he was not interested in the role. So then you but, have to go to the next best option, which was, in this case, Jackie Earl Haley, which even if you don't like him, Jackie Earl Haley did a fantastic job at portraying this version of Freddy Krueger. Not to mention, I think that he looks like an actual burn victim, whereas Robert England's infamous look looks like someone who has just like severe like plaque psoriasis or something. I agree with that. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Robert England's Freddy, and I think he looks 
spooky as hell. I think he looks fucking great. But what I'm saying is that the new Freddy looks like an actual burn victim, whereas, again, you know, the original Nightmare, not as much. It does a little bit. But, I, I mean, I see where they were going. I feel like he looks more like a monster right. than, like, a burn victim. Because I think that's the point. Freddy Krueger is a monster, and you're, and you're right. Well, I, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, uh, that's all well and good, but we're talking about a guy at Haunts Dreams. I don't think realism is what we need here. <laughs> I, I don't think that's necessary. And I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I don't go places to see figures of Ev. Of the new the new Freddy because it's not it's not a good look it doesn't look good it, it looks hokey it, I mean it looks like they I don't know looks like they charred a stick and put a sweater on it it just it doesn't look right and uh, and I and I get I get the intent behind the movie right and, but sign number one if Freddy if if Robert England turned it down that might have been a sign of oh, I don't know maybe this is not a good idea yes. maybe, we, maybe we should have listened to the guy yes and I understand that there may have been some intent to try to get younger eyes I I don't think it worked because have we had we haven't had any of the others there's been no more. They've not made another re- after this one, no sequels, whatever else, because nobody wants to see it. And I, I just don't – I don't know. I don't I, – I think, to me, Friday – or excuse me, Nightmare on Elm Street, whether you, what you like or you don't like, I think it's this unique franchise that I think it's, it's had its run. I really do. I think it's – I think it's – because I, I think the way they positioned it and the way they made it, it's just so tied with Robert England and the way he portrayed it. I just think I think maybe it's a concept that this should maybe just be left kind of dormant. And I don't I don't know if you could do anything that's going to satisfy people. And, you know, because I don't know, even if the movie wasn't boring, I'm still going to have that gripe that it wasn't him playing Freddy. And there's just and, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just, you know, my opinion, my nostalgia, whether it is or it isn't. And um, I don't know. I don't know that there's a a a, a good way. To read to redo this to to bring it back to life because it's so it's become so tied with him and uh, but not only I'm sorry go ahead no no I'm just saying that I think it's and I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's the right philosophy or the right or whatever I'm just saying that it makes the creators it it puts them in a difficult position because of, of just what it is and it's so intertwined you know like you said earlier whoever said it. You know, Jason, you, you see Jason, you don't see anything but the, the mask. You, you know, Michael Myers, you see the mask. Freddy is a it's a it's a layer on Robert England that gives, you know, that kind of that uniqueness. And it's become so tied to him. It's I just think it's it's tricky well, and it's hard. The other the other two don't talk. Robert England does, you know, and as Freddy, you, you also have to remember, I I hate this movie because it's a bad movie. We're talking about a movie that went through 50 teen rewrites we're talking about a movie that when it came out half the cast wouldn't even do publicity for it. uh what's her name um rooney mara said she hated this movie so much she almost quit acting you know oh. robert england turned it down after he read the script heather langenkamp was supposed to have a cameo she turned it down after she read the script wes craven said that he didn't even well, they didn't even have he signed away his rights to this movie yeah to finance it but they didn't even come to him before making this movie he didn't even know about it until it was well into production yeah you know and my, again my hangups i mean it's it's just an opinion my a matter of opinion i just don't like the movie itself even if robert yeah. england were in it was in it that's only going to take it so much it's it's still it to me it was a boring script and a boring telling it just didn't I don't know. It didn't have an energy to it that I like. And then uh, I know I understand some people like it and that's fine. It's, you know, 
I mean, for crying out loud, one of my favorites is Dream Warriors. And I'm not saying that's the best, but I love <laughs> it. And, uh, and it is what it is. I mean, you know, it, it's hokey and whatever. It's just a matter of taste. I just think regardless of anything else, to me, it was just a, it was boring. And I didn't like it for that reason. Um, so. You know, and, so. and yeah, I, I guess my only other uh, thing that I would say is, you know, I, I at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry that Rooney Mara apparently didn't like her portrayal in this movie. I don't know. Um, at the end of the day, the movie, it's it's a you know it's a movie. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm a very large proponent of, you know, like you said, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, you right. like it. You know that is what it is. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, truthfully, the movie is entirely reminiscent of the original. Um, you know, there there are some essentially shot for shot remakes from the original film, you know, the pretty famous, you know, Freddie coming through the the wall, obviously the original was a practical effect. This one was not, um, you know, the essential story is essentially the same, you know, um, Freddie is haunting these people's nightmares and, you know, the, the lead character is sort of the, is, is, you know, is kind of destined to be the final girl and, you know, and everything else. And, and that's, you know, that's perfect. You know, that's, that's what it is. That's what the purpose of the movie was. Um, but I, what I would add to that is that if, you know, cause I've heard the argument, the, the script isn't good or the movie wasn't good. And my only, my only response to that is if this script and this movie was not good, then you're going to have a hard time getting somebody to like the first one. Now, if it were not for the, if it were not for nostalgia, because that's what you guys are going off of, right? You have that nostalgia. You have that original love of the movie because it came out when you were a kid. There's no so, nostalgia. No, no. It was a good movie. Yeah, I don't think it's purely nostalgia. I don't. Well, I, I don't think that's. I don't know. No. Well, uh, yes, the script and whatever is boring, but it's also. I think it's also very poorly executed. Even at, at that, it's there's just not an energy. There's not, and I think part of that can be just played into the fact that you know you're you're recreating something that already exists. And it's, you know, and, and no matter when you do that, it's tough. Right. I would imagine to, to have a, a spark because you're, you're you're you are recreating something and you're worried about that. Maybe it it, 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 it takes away a little of that artist license, you know, to, to have a little energy in it. Maybe I don't know. I, I think in this day and age, I know that wasn't really a thing in 2010. Maybe I, I don't know that. But this the new the new requel philosophy of things where you're trying to you know do hybrids and mixes and and, and not a reboot, not a you know remake. I think that would have worked better. But it wasn't really a thing then, you know. I just, I think they needed to kind of put their own stamp on it a little bit while paying homage to the, the, the original. And I just think it was too much trying to retell the original. And it, I don't know, it was like a, it was like a high school theater play trying to put on a poor production of it, and it didn't, it didn't work. Well, and remember that we're leaving out one of the contributing factors is Michael Bay produced this movie. Well, and, I, didn't, I didn't see nearly enough explosions for Michael Bay. <laughs> see, and, and he I, is known for trying to be over the top with shit. Yeah, yeah. but at the same time, like, y- y- you can't really pull the this is Michael Bay. I mean, Michael Bay gave us really great films. I mean, Armageddon, a lot of the the uh, a lot of the Transformers movies. Um, I mean, he was he worked on The Quiet Place. He worked on The Purge. I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's a, a relative factor. 
I, I while I understand that some people may not like Michael Bay, I don't think that in any way, shape, or form he had any. He, there was nothing about this movie screams Michael Bay, in my opinion. I, I think that he was probably brought on as a producer for whatever reason. He's probably friends with somebody, and that's fine. Um, but I, I I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I hate the Michael Bay argument. I hate when people bring up, oh well, Michael Bay was a part of this. I hate Michael Bay. <laughs> Like, I get it. Michael Bay isn't always the best, but he's given us some good stuff. Um, but back to the kind of the, the meat of the argument, um, I, I, I think this is truthfully a, a young versus old kind of situation. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Um, you know, the original came out when you guys were younger. Um, this came out during that same period for Kayla and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for Kayla, for somebody, and Kayla can even attest to this, Kayla is not a huge was not a huge uh, horror connoisseur, if you will. She is now. She's seen all the horror movies. She's seen most of the, the, the classics and everything oh, else. Wait a minute. Hold on. Kayla, you've seen all the horror movies? Good Lord. That's Every a, single one. I mean, I <laughs> literally said you've seen them all. That is that is quite an accomplishment. Way to go, Kayla. <laughs> but, Thank you. <laughs> but you know what it is. She, she, she's seen the, the, you know, the building I, block. Well, I promise you, I promise you, when they call to give you your award and your medal for that accomplishment, we'll break in here and do that live on the show and, and let them do that because that's, that's right. All the, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Though. Yeah. She, she's seen the building block film. She's seen the movies that are necessary to get that appreciation of horror. And um, I, I think that from, her, especially from her perspective, you know, it's hard for her to enjoy some of these older movies. And it's the same way for a lot of people in this generation. Um, you know, the all younger millennials and Gen Z and the, uh, you know, the coming Gen Alpha will not have the appreciation for these horror movies that uh, older Gen Z, uh, millennials, Gen X and, you know, boomers and whatnot, you know, have for them. You know, it's the same argument, you know, in the 80s when everyone was like, oh, well, this is no psycho. You know what I mean? And then, you know, they remade Psycho or they made a movie that was like Psycho, you know. So it's going to be kind of that never ending argument of, well, when, you know, back in my day, you know, that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I totally get it. Um, but I, I think it is important that while, yes, there were no movies made after this one, this movie did introduce Freddy Krueger to an entire generation of people who probably were not interested in watching those older movies, if that if that's worth any anything. <laughs> well, and you also have to, one of my other really big bones to pick about this movie is Freddy Krueger was bigger. He was in, in, in the original movie, he was the boogeyman. The parents. No, no, no. When, that's, that's the other guy in the white mask. <laughs> when the, you know, when Nancy's mom is sitting down at that, at the fire or the furnace and she's pulling out his glove and she's like, he's dead. And, you know, he was this horrible man and we killed him. It was this like amazing emotional moment. You don't get that in this movie. If you're going to delve into this, like they gave her the same name, Nancy, but then she's like, and um, he molested kids and he molested me. And then it was just like left. There was like no emotional finish to it. There was no, the movie was just, you could see where the movie could have been great, 
but it it's like it never it was like okay we're gonna do this with this character and then we're gonna leave it and we're gonna do this with this character and we're gonna leave it it's it's i mean it's a matter of opinion like i said i i don't wholeheartedly hate remakes i'm not like predisposed to hate them and i I just think this one didn't work for me you know and that's again that's right that's cool it's it's you know it is what it is uh but we need to we need to start wrapping this up because we're gonna hold on if your generation wants to be introduced (laughs) to the night to a nightmare on elm street it's called a video store or voodoo or netflix they can be introduced to the good one my brother in Christ, there's no such thing as a video store anymore. I know, right? I realized <laughs> that as soon as I said it. All right. right. Okay, okay. So let's don't let this go too long because otherwise we're going to have like a double-length episode. Or just, and, uh, you know, oh. listen to your screen viewers. Just call me. I will send you a copy of the good movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I would like to say, maybe I should have said this up front. Uh, the hosts of Listen to Their Screams do not always agree with the voices and opinions of <laughs> in, this, in this podcast. So. Oh, uh, please listen to your screams. Don't please don't contact my wife. <laughs> you can hit us on our official social medias where I can control who's being blocked. <laughs> All right, so let's wind this down. And I, I I feel like here wholeheartedly again, everybody's kept the floor except for except for Kayla. Who has, she she kind of started. So before we before we get out here, Kayla, do you want to add anything else? Um. I really like the original. I think we both, both Ike and I really like it. We think it's better than this remake. Yeah, A hundred percent. Oh, well, but so that's, I feel that's a happy ending. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I still feel like the remake is good. But then again, I am a lover of remakes. So I just like seeing other people's perspectives of yeah. the old stories. Yeah. And And I agree. There have been remakes that I have just thought in their own time are equal to the originals. Yeah, and just just because a couple of old fogies don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't have value and it, it wasn't successful or whatever else. It, it is what it is. It's just that, uh, you know, it's an, it's an opinion, right, whatever else. So, But uh, all right, thank you, the wives, for coming on. Thank you, Monica, for steamrolling the the conversation again it's really going off and uh, I'm, I'm gonna start my own podcast where i, I come on yeah, after sure. you and i just talk about how wrong you guys are damn i i got no comeback for that i just don't even know i, I listened to your podcast from last week and dave's like well you know i just thought this was the middle of the road so i only gave it it was just one tick under you know, the middle. So I gave it 2.5 and I'm sitting here going, well, 2.5 out of five stars is the middle. So well, here's, here's I, the thing. I'm I, not going to ever give yeah. anything a zero. So that doesn't really count to me. The thing kind of starts at one. I, everybody needs to understand that every movie that Monica hates, she's like, I would have given it a half a scream. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, wait, we better let Monica go. Cause I'm pretty sure. That Clint Eastwood's calling Monica to, you know, remake that. And what's that movie? El Camino or whatever. That she, she's going to totally be yelling at people to get off her yard. Fuck you, Nightmare Remake. Get off my yard. It's a fucking half scream. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that Gran Torino? 
That's right. Not El Camino. I didn't. I couldn't think of what the movie was called off the top of my head. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure El Camino is the Breaking Bad movie. Here's the thing. I was rolling with it. I didn't have to point it out. Most people would have been lost in my impersonation and wouldn't have cared that I messed up the movie title. I'm I, I appreciate it. The next rebuttal. The next rebuttal is going to be why Ike's an asshole. Why I just, has left the show? <laughs> <laughs> why he was voluntold to leave? I, I know the next show is gonna be uh, Dave and Kayla. <laughs> well, Kayla, I, I probably should get more of a word in edgewise with Monica without Monica on it. So. That's true. All right, <laughs> we need to wrap this up so me and I can get on to uh, to further discussions. It'll be less. Uh, I don't know less. Conflict. Interesting. <gasps> oh. All right, so let's wrap down the final edition of Wiser Battle because it's may not ever see the light of day again. All right, thank you for coming on, Monica and Kayla. Monica, you and I are gonna have a talk there later on. That's okay. I'm gonna go watch. I'm gonna go watch El Camino while you finish up. I bet you will. Please, when you yell at the clouds, don't do so very loudly because I am recording in the next room. All right. All right. Well, Goodbye, guys. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams. That is Listen, the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com screams shirts. All right, and we are back from whatever the fuck that was. Um, <laughs> that was yeah, that was something. That was that was something. That was an interesting wives rebuttal. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, another one uh, may or may not be on the horizon. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We, we kind of got to let the wounds uh, heal a little bit from that one today. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, no, but, I know. Yeah. It's all good. All good. All, all in fun. All in good jest. That's right. Yep. All, all in good humor. That's what we're here for. Um, but now, this is the fun part. This is one of my favorite things we do on the show, truthfully. I love it when we do these countdowns because we're going to do our favorite movie countdown of the Nightmare on the Street franchise. I just got to say, um, obviously, this is a great franchise. There are some really good movies in this one, and there are a couple of shitters, in my opinion. So, there truly <laughs> we're, are. We're, and, uh, and, you know, and Dave kind of mentioned it during the Wiser Bottle. We did have to make some concessions on these. So, um, this is sort of our yeah. combined list, right? But I will say yeah. that we can agree on most of these. So, we're going to yeah. go ahead and. <laughs> well, there's always, yeah, there's always some give and take, right? Because we're not right. going to be spot on on everything. And, uh, but. I mean, I will say mostly, almost always when we do these countdowns in our lists, the, the top of the list is is pretty good. We usually have pretty much the same favorites. It might be a little bit of a varying order, but it's it's pretty solid. And I mean, I guess to be fair, the bottom of the list is usually pretty, you know, pretty. Cons- it's it's that middle that gets kind of hard. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. hard even when you're doing it on your own. It's like, okay, I know my favorites. I know the ones I don't like. Oh, where do these other fall? And uh, so it's difficult when you're you're, you're splitting hairs in the middle. It uh, is. But, but overall, I think a lot of our tastes kind of fall fall in the same. We I think we have a, a, a same the same uh, what do we kind of call it? The, the the same view and approach to movies on the the enjoyment and and whatnot. And uh, so yeah, it works out pretty well. But it's it's fun. I, it's fun because I like I like sitting down and thinking this through, right? Of what my favorites are and, and what order that you know I like them in. And it, I I find I'm a I'm a list guy, so I think it's a fun <laughs> thing. Absolutely love list. Love a good list, but. 
So we're going to start our list. And we're going to start from the very bottom because that's how we do things. We're going to start with our number nine position. Um, and that one's going to go to, um, I can't say the incredible, but it's going to go to um, the something, the 2003 Freddy versus Jason. This had a $30 million budget and it had pulled in a box office of $116 million. Uh, this is distributed, of course, by a new line. And this is produced by Sean S. Cunningham um, from the Friday 13th series and is starting, uh, pardon me, starring Monica Kina, Jason Ritter and Robert England. This is 49th in the world ranking in 2003. Now, here's the deal. Freddy vs. Jason was intended to be this monumental film, right? It was teased at the end of uh, the uh, Friday 13th. What was it? Uh, Jason's Dead. Is that the right one? Or Final Friday or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It was like, like I think we talked about this a couple times. Like, it was around 1988, right? Is when it really was teased. They thought they were going to get it to happen, and it never did. And it took, you know, whatever, 15 years. Yeah. And both both properties to come under the same, you know, distributor to make it happen. And I don't I, I don't know. It, man, there's so many flaws of this movie in my eyes. <laughs> there is. Uh, it was Jason Goes to Hell. That was the one. It was in yeah, Jason yeah, right. Goes to Hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that's when the glove comes up at the end and pulls it down. And, yep. and it pulls. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So obviously that was the kind of intention, right? That was the, the sort of birthing of this idea. And they've done a lot of comic books with this that are great. They've done a lot of crossovers and other media forms, and they're fantastic. But this film, in my opinion, it fell flat. As cool as the fight between Freddy versus Jason was, it, it kind of felt like it was just dreamed up by some teenager in their bedroom, right? The, the fight lacked substance. Um, you know, the, the film had all these stupid-ass quips. Um, I, I think the movie, you know, while it is tolerable to an extent it, it is by and large probably one of the worst if not the worst um crossover horror movie that i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah it was just uh, i don't know it, it just wasn't good right the story it didn't work for me um and there, and again the, like we talked about with the new I mean, there was a there was a lot of people in this i liked right there was i mean uh, a lot of actor again i i always talk about supernatural there were several people in this from you know that were supernatural veterans which right. leads me to believe that this movie was probably filmed in Canada. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and it just, I mean, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't seem like they came up with a very clever way to get to it. The whole, you know, I mean, what, you know, essentially Freddie using Jason to try to, till he got strong enough to try to get back at these, I don't know. It just, it didn't work. I, I, there, there's just not a lot of redeeming qualities of this movie that I, that I care for. I really, I just, I really don't enjoy it. Yeah, it, it was honestly, it just kind of felt like your run of the mill 2000 slasher. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say the the hype for the movie was spectacular where they did the, you know, the, the, the mock weigh ins and, and interview things. And, you know, there, there was a lot of marketing and hype to it. And and as there should have been. And, you know, as much as I don't know, as much as you want to love a movie where it's Freddy versus Jason, it just there's I don't know, there's just not enough meat there to enjoy for me. Nope negative so that moves us on and again uh, this is another one right we gave some concessions but this was right at the bottom near the bottom for both of us right yep. so it, this was you know i have no problems with it being number nine <laughs> and so which <laughs> brings us on to number eight in our opinion it is nightmare on elm street part two freddy's revenge from 1985 it was made on a three million dollar budget made 30 million domestic box office 
distributed by New Line, produced by Robert Shea, starring Mark Patton, Kim Myers, and Robert England, of course. And it was the 30th grossing movie worldwide in 1985. Um, you know, and again, this movie, it's it's got parts, it's okay and whatever, but I think it's tough coming out of the first one. It, it, it's tough to follow up. And um, I just, I don't think it was clever enough to to uh, to avoid that soft that sophomore slump there. I just it, it, it it's kind of a flat movie, especially in, in my opinion, when it's sandwiched between the the first one and Dream Warriors. It's just it really looks pale in comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and it, it's it's like there are some really cool things about this movie too. There are some great you know effects. There are some great little nuggets in this. But when you have to look at the movie as an overall, you know, it is just it, it fell again. It fell very flat. Um, it's obviously better than uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Um, you know, Nightmare 2. It's it's also kind of a controversial movie in a lot of ways. Um, there's a whole documentary about it, um, but it, 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 it there's a lot of background stuff that makes it kind of to where I, I, I can't enjoy it as much. Um, yeah. Even if even if the movie wasn't bad. There's a lot of background stuff that kind of makes it unenjoyable. So, yeah. you know, Friday's Revenge was was just it was no bueno. I I, I purposely skipped it, actually, in this last rewatch because I, I didn't have an interest in watching it. Um, and I had watched it probably in the last six months or so. So I was like, eh, I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in any case, uh, that was our number eight. Now we're going to move on to number seven. Now, now number seven is a little contested. If you had, you know, if you listened through to our uh, wives rebuttal, um, you're going to know that this was a contested ranking a little bit, but uh, <laughs> number seven was nightmare, uh, a nightmare on Elm Street, the remake from 2010. This had a $35 million budget, 117 uh, million in the box office distributed by Warner Brothers, produced by Michael Bay, starring Jackie Earl Haley, Kyle Gallner, Rune Rimara, and Kate Cassidy. Katie Cassidy, sorry. And it was 56 in the world ranking in 2010. So, obviously, from the Wiser Bubble, you already know that I love this movie. Um, I like remakes. I, I've talked a lot about how, you know, as much as I appreciate a lot of these older movies and as much as I appreciate the impact and significance there are a lot of cases where the remakes, in my opinion, have a lot more to provide and a lot more to give um, than, the, than the originals do. In some cases, not all cases, there are some pretty shitty remakes. <laughs> but mm. um, but in my opinion, this wasn't one of them. I, I like the new Nightmare movie, uh, not the new Nightmare, but the, <laughs> the newer Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And, you know, it was very enjoyable to me. I like a lot of the actors in it. Um, and, you know, and I felt like the story, in my opinion, and I honestly, I kind of forgot to mention this, but I felt like it made, um, you know, made Freddy Krueger more of an evil character. You know, obviously he was an evil child murderer in the original films, but I felt like this even gave it like a further depth to his character to to the degree that, like, I genuinely hated him. And like I, I wanted, you know, because in some of the movies you're like, oh, yeah, Freddy's kind of funny. But in this one, I felt like he was just like a straight up like monster and i liked it but <laughs> go ahead yeah well i mean i don't there's not a whole lot that right we just spent 20 right. minutes talking about it, whatever else uh this was the first kind of the, the the highlight of our ranking where we really had to debate and give some concessions because i'm, I'm gonna be co- completely frank in my personal rankings this is dead last i i, I would i would rather watch freddie versus jason versus this and that's <laughs> that's saying something but we can see it a little bit right and i gave it a couple spots because you liked it more 
And uh, to be fair, uh, you know, I had Freddy's Revenge Part Two a little higher, so we brought it down because you, you know, so we we gave a, a little give and take on this. Um, but I, I, I'm comfortable that it's in the bottom third, and uh, that's you know, and I'm I'm happy with that because uh, yeah, I don't like the movie. I, I kind of made that clear in the Wiser Battle, and uh, I mean, there's nothing else really to add. I just it, it was it just fell flat to me. It didn't it didn't work. It was kind of boring to me, and, and I, I just didn't enjoy it. And um. You know, it is what it is, but uh, I don't I don't think we need to talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. It's like uh, two thirds of the two thirds of the podcast going to be on right. episodes going to be on on well, that. So well, the freaking 2010 remake. Yeah. I swear. So let's move on to our number six, which is uh, part five. Dream Child from 1989. Eight million dollar budget. Twenty one million dollar box office draw distributed by New New Line. Excuse me. Produced by Robert Shea, starring Robert England and Lisa Wilcox. And it was the 47th. Worldwide ranking in 1989, and uh, man, I see uh, this movie. Whoo! I, I do. I, this is another one though that I just do not like. Um, <laughs> this movie, it, I, I feel like by the time you get into to five and and, and stuff, you you it's just getting a little too much out there. And um, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't like the whole you know, having Freddy's child thing and this and that and what have you or whatever they were trying to do. And, and, uh, I don't, uh, is, I mean, is this the one where they dive into his background quite a bit? We're talking about his mom. I, 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 uh, I some of these in the middle blur with me. I, I think, I thought that was Freddy's dead. Cause I thought Freddy's Maybe dead was, yeah, well, I thought we'll that one was a little more bit, of a dive, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like dream child. Um, it just, ish. And that kid's, I don't know. He's not very good in it. I think. Uh, I think it's. I, I. I will have to. I will have to be sure. I will look it up while you're talking. I think the kid in Dream Child is the one kid that's in Jurassic Park at the beginning, uh, where Alan Grant put you know scares him talking about the Velociraptors. Yeah. I think that's the same kid, but uh, I just don't know. I don't. I don't. And I could be wrong. I. I, I again, Dream Child gets very much blurred and blocked in my head. I just do not like the movie at all. No, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, Dream Child is similar. It's it's a blur. Um, I remember some things about it, and and I, and I don't necessarily hate it. Like I wouldn't go as far to say like, oh, I, I fucking hate this movie. But I, it, it's another one of those movies that like it, it's almost just not memorable. You know what I mean? So it's not like I hate it. It's just I just don't remember the movie. I mean, it's hard to remember it truthfully. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that where it's at right now, kind of in the middle, it kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. not a memorable movie. It, it doesn't strike me as an overtly good or a bad movie. It's just kind of sitting there in limbo. Um, and like you said, I, and the kind of the context of it, like Freddie's trying to come back to the world. So he's like kind of like haunting you know, a baby inside of somebody's stomach or whatever yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, it's weird. It's kind of creepy, but I don't know. It just kind of fell out of place and, you know, not the best movie, but, you know. Yeah. And I did like yeah. it. It is the same kid from Jurassic <laughs> Park. So and, and no disrespect to him. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying, yeah, I don't know. It didn't, he didn't work in this movie and that's, that could, that could not be completely on him. So, but right. it is, I just, I just watched this movie a few days ago and it's like, I already am, struggling to remember details of it because it's i don't know for whatever reason this movie just does not stick with me so but uh but now we're starting to get to the nitty-gritty here yeah we're starting to get 
into our upper echelon. We're getting to the movies that are a little more enjoyable and, and more fun for us. So let's move on. Yes, absolutely. Top five. All right. So we are at number five. Freddy's Dead, A Final Nightmare from 1991. Had a whopping $11 million budget, but with a very puny $35 million box office. It was distributed by New Line, produced by Robert Shea, starring Robert England and Lisa Zane. Uh, a slight note, music was done by Brian May, and it was 37th worldwide, ranking in 1991. Now, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, one of those movies, um, it, it, again, it, it is kind of one of those movies that I kind of for, you know forget about a little bit until I watch it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember this movie. Um, it is by no means a bad movie. I would even go as far to say that I do enjoy Final Nightmare. Um, I do like kind of sort of the more, you know, capable per and protagonist concept um i'm pretty sure this is the movie that also had a johnny depp cameo wasn't it he was on the tv yeah, um yeah. Mm-hmm. and so and this one was also in the 90s so like a lot of 90s horror movies they were trying to kind of take a leap into the new age a leap into like you know high, high better technology so you know freddy's in a video game at one point so i do like kind of that concept <laughs> of it um, you know, Fre- Freddy's Dead, again, is not a masterpiece by any means. Um, we'll talk about masterpieces here in a minute. But uh, this movie is by no means a masterpiece. But it's a very enjoyable movie. I think that's important is that this is an enjoyable movie, whereas some of the other ones are kind of arguably not. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's you know, it's a fun movie. It's a I feel like they uh, they thought outside the box a little bit and, and it works a little better in this one than it like like what we talked about in Dream Child. I just think trying to be a little creative you know it, it works um and uh yeah it, it is it's fun like i the, the video game part is, is kind of cool it's kind of fun and um i don't know yeah it's it's just i don't know what they'll say i mean there's nothing groundbreaking in it there's nothing no. over the top that it's just like when you think nightmare on elm street it jumps at you as an immediate memory uh, but it, it's fun and, and i mean when you're considering that we have this dead in the middle right we have you know, four, four worse, four better. Um, to me, that that is exactly where it falls. It's just right. It's just right in the middle. It's 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 fun enough, uh, but it's not. It's just not super memorable, right? It's not one of the the iconic ones from the franchise for me. Uh, but it, but it's okay. Yeah. So uh, that brings us then, as we get into the top four, some of the upper echelon here. Uh, our number four is part four, Dream Master from 1988, a six million dollar budget. Drew 49 million box office, distributed by New Line, produced by Robert Shea, starring Robert England and Lisa Wilcox. And it was the 19th grossing movie in 1988. Uh, so, Ike, what do you what do you think of Dream Master? I, I, we're starting to get to the movies now that I enjoy much more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my <laughs> I do like Dream Master. Let me preface by saying I do like Dream Master. I do have a few gripes about it. Like, I don't like how they replaced Patricia Arquette's character with, like, some random actress, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and then also the character that, like, Patricia Arquette played, which was Kristen, right? They didn't, they just, this was the movie they just, like, randomly killed her off and they brought in some other lady, right? Yeah, correct. Because there was, like, some other person who is the Dream Master versus just making Kristen the dream master because she had already previously, you know, expressed the, the ability to be able to control dreaming or whatever. But it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. Um <laughs> so dream, dream Master is a good movie. I like the concept. Um it has a lot of really cool visuals, especially during that final fight scene. 
Um, Dream Master has probably one of the cooler, like, lead-ups, if you will. Um, you know, being able to fight in the dream world and, like, really be able to fight is kind of like the over-encompassing idea, right? You know, and, and Dream Warriors, which we'll talk about here in a minute, um, you know, you kind of get a little bit of a taste of, like, yeah, you can fight back in Freddy's world if you try. But in this one, it really pumps that up because... Um, there's the final fight where she kind of takes all the totems from their, you know, her fallen friends and yeah. kind of in, it's, it's imbued with their power, which I thought was actually a really neat little thing. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. Very cool movie. Um, it, it was definitely flying hard after the success, I think, of uh, Dream uh, Dream Warriors. But definitely four is a strong movie. I, I'll say that it is a strong movie. Yeah, I think so, too. And part of what I think what makes it for me is that carryover from Dream Warriors, right? Some of that continuation of that story, some of the character that carryover. I think that's why I like Dream Master more, you know, more than some of these others. If it hadn't had that and it had been a little more independent, it, it probably wouldn't have worked as well for me. Uh, but I like that it, it was kind of a continuation from some of those concepts from Dream Warriors and some of those ideas and characters and things. And uh, it just felt like, you know. Instead of having all these sequels with each one, this new idea, new idea, new idea, this felt like it was more kind of building the the, the franchise, right, and, and adding to uh, something they'd already established, which which I think I liked. Um, mm. and, and, it, and I think it sets it apart from some of these other movies for me. And why it's a little more memorable for me than like a dream child, which you know doesn't stick with me as well. It, I, I think it's some of that big picture, big story concept that they had in it. And I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I understand that. I'm overhyping that a little bit to say it had this big picture, big concept, but I, I, I know what it is. But I mean, it's not it's not like they wrote, you know, a thousand page novel and then made this movie on it. But uh, but I, I like that, you know, there was some carryover and some continuation of that story. And uh, and I think it helped the movie. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun movie. Um, and, you know, and they're again, that's man. I mean, 1988, when you're talking, you know, the 87, 88 time period, you know, Dream Warrior, Dream Master. I don't know if there was a bigger rock star in the world than Robert England as Freddy Krueger. I mean, he was everywhere at that time and, uh, you know, doing talk shows and doing everything. I mean, this was this was peak time uh, for the popularity of Nightmare on Elm Street. It was it was pretty surreal. Yeah. But uh, here we are moving to the top three. And this is, again, the top three are clear cut. My, my three favorites. Uh, there's just there's no arguing. Right. And right. Th- these three are my favorite three by I mean, there's. I like Dream Master, whatever else, but there's a gap right here from these three. I, I like them so much more than the others. And um, so that brings us to number three, which to me is probably one of the more clever and original movies in the franchise. Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994 had an $8 million budget, drew $20 million at the box office, distributed by New Line, produced by Marianne Madeline, starring Robert England, Heather Leggenkamp, John Saxon. And it was the 71st. Uh, gross, grossing movie, excuse me, uh, in 1994. Uh, this is one of those movies that is, man, is so enjoyable. It's so creative, and it's one of those movies that it's like they 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 tried something new, right? This is coming out of Freddy's Dead, uh, the Final Nightmare, and uh, and it's like they had to try something different, right? They they wanted to try something different, and and that's tricky because sometimes if you try it, it can fall completely flat. But this one, to me, didn't. 
um, it, it, it completely it shatters fourth wall type things, so to speak. I mean, I guess not necessarily because it's not like you're they're winking at the audience or the viewers, but it's it's blurring the line between the real world, quote unquote, <laughs> within the franchise and the, the Freddy, the movie world. And um, and I think, man, I think it pulls it off. I think it does it well. It's it's funny. It's creative. And it, it I I love the concept that they've tried to to say. Freddie's real, right? He's a real right. thing. And I mean, we have Robert England in this movie who plays Freddie, but Freddie's something different. He's real. And I think that gives him less of a person type view as a, uh, I don't know, a story, a myth, a folktale, a, a, you know, whatever you want to call it. It gives it more mythos of, of it's crossed lines, right? And it's, it's become this real thing. And, um, and I'm sure you, I mean, you could dive so many levels, probably looking yeah. at this movie as, on a psychological level to, you know, people that are watching horror movies and starring in horror movies. And and I, I'm sure that, you know, you could really break it down if you really probably want to psychoanalyze it all. Uh, right. But it's a uh, man, it's it's just fun. It's it's catchy. It's creative. It's cool to get these peaks at these people kind of trying to portray themselves a little more. I mean, we got to see, you know more Wes Craven on screen probably than you do in a lot in you know, in a lot of things. That's, that's kind of cool. Um, and, uh, I don't know, man, it is, this is just a very, very enjoyable movie to me to watch. I, I love watching this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's super weird because, um, so let me preface it by saying, I love this movie. This is probably one of my favorites. In fact, I'm pretty sure I had this as number two for me. I think you had this yeah, as number yeah. three. So I yeah, had this as number two. But I was willing to, you know, because the my number two and three were kind of like on the same level to me almost. Um, but I, I did concede on our ranking. But I will say this. Wes Craven's new nightmare, it's super weird to me because I never knew that it existed. Truthfully, I never knew that it existed until like a, like five years ago I watched it. And like, I mean, mind you, I had seen the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies probably at least two to three times each at this point in my life. So like I had a really good basis of knowledge for like fred Krueger, and then like i just never knew the new nightmare existed and then one day i was scrolling through uh voodoo and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen this movie what is this and i'm like holy shit it's a it's a it's a friday 13th movie like okay holy shit nightmare and, or nightmare sorry guys <laughs> and so that'd be really weird but <laughs> true so that i sit down and i watch it and i'm like holy shit that was really really good like that was better than i really ever anticipated and in my opinion, this is like the ultimate culmination of like Wes Craven. This is his ultimate masterpiece, which is Freddy Krueger. And it is it's his ultimate masterpiece of making meta horror films. We've talked a lot about Scream and how Scream is probably one of the best meta slashers there is. But in my opinion, New Nightmare is a masterpiece in terms of a meta slasher because it literally is a well-established horror icon and it is bringing him into the real world in a real way. And so new nightmare. Fantastic. I could talk yeah. about it for days. <laughs> yeah. I, I even like, I even like the tweaked look of Freddy and yeah. at, the, at the end, towards the end of the movie, that third act of the movie. Um, and, and that's, that's a tricky line when you tweak something, especially someone who has such an iconic look and, and they didn't abandon the look per se, but, but it is slightly altered. And so it made, he looks like a badass in that third act. I really, I, I think it's pretty cool, and um, it is. Uh, the Monday, the the movie is, ah, it's so enjoyable. 
And it's just it's just such a fun movie to watch and, and kind of lose yourself in because you feel like the movie is losing itself within itself. And it's it's like it's like, a, OK, everybody, you'll jump on, uh, you know, fuck fact and fiction. Let's just have a good time here and blur all the lines. And uh, it, and this and it works for me. It really does. And again, that's a tricky thing to do. And it doesn't always work uh, when you try to do that stuff. And uh, but, yeah, he, he pulled it off masterfully. Uh, and it's it is great. Uh, definitely a top three uh, for me. Like I said, I think, you know, our number ones were the same. And I just think, yeah, I think our two and threes were, were flip flop, but we had the, the same top three, but I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to move on to number two, numero dos. And I'm pretty sure everybody can kind of guess where this is going, but just in case you can, number two is Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Yeah. So we've, t- we've talked about Dream Warriors and pretty much every conversation that we've ever had about sequels. And this movie had a $4 million budget, but it turned that into $44 million. Distributed by New Line, produced by Robert Shea, starring and returning Heather Langenkamp for the first time, as well as John Saxon, and of course Robert England. And then 24th Worldwide in 1987. So, I just gotta say, it, it's super weird to me, because you watch these movies, right, and you're and you're watching it, and it's like a roller coaster. You, you start off super strong, you, you take a nosedive from hell, and then you shoot straight back up to the sun with Dream Warriors. Um, Dream Warriors is one of those very rare moments where it's like it's an explosion. It's explosive. It is it is entertaining. It is, in my opinion, this Dream Warriors has some of the best, if not the best effects in the entirety of the genre. Yes, um, I mean, there are scenes in this movie that I'm just like, how, how did they do that practically? I mean, the the television set, that's a fantastic kill. Um, I think hands down one of the creepiest things that I've seen and it makes my skin crawl every time I see it is the when they the kid is being he's made into a puppet and like yes. he, cut, he cuts his like wrists and legs and like the pulls veins. the tendons and shit out. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, I was eating breakfast because I wa- actually I rewatched Dream Warriors this morning. I was eating breakfast and I was like, oh come on man. Uh-huh. I anybody that knows me knows. Dream Warriors is absolutely one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I mean, there's Dream Warriors, there's you know Sleepaway Camp, Reanimator, uh, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, all these odd kind of <laughs> weirds. To me, if 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 our number one was just not so iconic, it just cinematically to me is just perfect, right? It's just it is just perfect. But to me, Dream Warriors is the epitome of the Nightmare on franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. It is the the most iconic iconic of the movies. It is when people think nightmare. I think a lot of their thoughts are of stuff that really just peaked in, in Dream Warriors. And Dream Warriors culturally at the time was unreal. Number one, one of the best soundtracks of a horror movie ever. I mean, you got freaking Dawkin with Into the Fire and, of course, Dream Warriors. Unreal. Two great songs right there. Not only that, but you could turn on freaking MTV, see Robert England in a, in a music video for Dawkins Dream Warriors in rotation. That was surreal. That was so cool to someone who liked horror movies to see that. This, I mean, I, the name, the Dream Warriors is perfect, right? It is perfect for what this is. And I love, I uh, just love everything about it. These kids that are in this this place, this institution, because they think that there's these, they're having these mental conditions, but all it is is 
their dreams being haunted and, and, and terrorized. And it's it's not there's not anything wrong with them, right? It's it's Freddy. And coming to terms with that and learning to to tap into, okay, when you're in your dreams, what are you, right? What makes you strong? What do you dream about? Let's take that and let's let's u- utilize that, right? There again, this is one of those movies I know it is a cheesy eighties horror movie, and people will dismiss it for you know, because it's got some humor or whatever. To me, there's so many levels to this movie. Of, of, that can be taken, right? Of, of of introspection and finding, you know, your strengths and and leaning on those instead of, you know, leaning into your failures and, and your weaknesses. To me, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know just little subtle things that are in there like that. And, and maybe it's just because I love the movie so much that I see that stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> it is this is hands down one of my favorite horror movies, probably one of my favorite movies period of all time. And again, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, this is. This is a just a masterpiece of film, right? That that is should be spoken with with Casablanca and Gone with the Wind, and it should be, you know, <laughs> it should be. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying number one, it's enjoyable, it's fun, start to finish. Number two, as far as a horror movie and 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 effects and and, and things like that, it's 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 groundbreaking, right? They took yep most of this stuff didn't exist right you had to invent stuff yes. invent ways to do this and they did it and it looks great and it, it 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 looks spectacular and and i don't think i understand now it's easier to do more with less and, and i get that and that's fine but man that doesn't mean that there should not be some props and respect for the guys that had to do it the hard way and still put out something so so amazing yeah i mean this was this was prime robert england where he really hit his groove and knew how he was playing Freddy, right? He had two movies under his belt. He was in his third. Again, like I said earlier, he was a rock star. Everybody knew Freddy, right? And and so they, they had to give him some of that comedy and some of that clever in the one-liners because people – he was the bad guy, but people thought Freddy was cool, and people liked Freddy. So they had to give him that bad, cool you know aspect. And uh, I, I can't sing the praises of this movie enough. I, I love Dream Warriors. And uh, again, I, to me, I think it is the most iconic movie in the franchise. I, I think it, it is the. For better or worse, if someone says, what is Nightmare on Elm Street? You know, talking about the original, maybe you know, the original films. What what can I watch that is the best encompassing of the whole thing? Show them Dream Warriors. And, um, you know, and again, I know we have it at number two. But that's only because our number one, I mean, it, it just, it, I mean, our number one's just perfect, right? There's just really not too many flaws with it, which everybody I'm sure knows what that is right now. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love Dream Warriors. Love it. And I can sit here and just babble on for hours about it. Absolutely. And, and I have to add one thing before we move on. You will never get a more perfect line than Robert England saying, Welcome to prime time, bitch. And then <laughs> slamming this woman's head into the TV. Like, come yeah. on. How can you make a movie better than that? You could have yeah. just shown me that one scene. I'd be good. I'm done. Thank you. Yeah. It's <laughs> it. And again, playing off right. This, what was this girl's dream? Right. She wanted to be an actress. She wanted right. to be on television. So, I mean, that's the concept, right? He is. He knows what your dreams are and he's going to use those against you. And it's getting, you know, like I said, by the time we got to Dream Warriors, it's not a. Uh, seeking revenge type thing or whatever so much as just a Freddie just he's just haunting he's just having fun screwing with people 
and uh, you know people that get looped into into this thing. So I love it. I love the movie so much. But I also love our number one, which if you're doing a countdown and you're checking off of your list, you know that our number one is the original Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. Made on a million-dollar budget, it grossed $57 million box office, distributed by New Line, produced by Robert Shea, starring he- excuse me, Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, Robert England, John Saxon. It was the 40th uh, movie worldwide in 1984, and I know it's, it's hard to believe in 1984, $57 million was only 40th, but movies were big <laughs> in the, in the mid-80s. There were some monstrous movies. Uh, again, this movie lays the foundation, sets the story. As far as a horror movie, especially a slasher horror movie, I just don't think you get much more perfect than 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 the original Nightmare. I mean, it the, the story's great. It 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 plays on a genuine fear of people that people have, right? And it also plays on that that old wives' tale or whatever. You, I don't know how you would define it. Of if you die in your sleep, you die in real life, kind of right. People right. have been saying that for generations, right? And, and whatever else. And, um, you know, that, oh, you'll always wake up right before you die. And if you don't, that's it. You always hear that, right? And so it, it takes all these things it plays in. And, you know, everybody has nightmares. Everybody has bad dreams. And this kind of takes that and runs with it. Well, what if there's more to that, right? What if there's somebody or could be somebody causing some of that that could utilize that? And then, you know, gives him a backstory and it's just man it's so great and you know there's there's a lot of a lot of you know stuff that you have to kind of take you know assume for yourself right they they wanted to they the intent was to lean more into the you know that he was molesting children but they didn't they they were worried about putting that in there because of some world circumstances and things that were happening i believe it was in a school in england at that time mm-hmm. I, I i think i read where this this huge thing got unveiled and they thought, ooh, maybe it's not in good taste to, to really lay into that. So they just kind of took it out, but still left the insinuation where, while they don't say it, you pretty much know that's what <laughs> what's that's what's going on there. And um, it's just, man, it's it is such a great movie. It's got such a great final girl in it. Uh, and you know, and as you look at it now with now's today's eyes, and you see young Johnny Depp, you can say, oh yeah, that kid's got you know he's got something right. He's, he's just seems cool and, and smooth and natural in it. Even at this, as a dorky kid, uh, it, it still works. Um, it's just, it's just a, uh, to me, as far as a an 80s slasher type horror movie, I, I, I don't find flaws. I think it's just perfect. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, what more can you say about the original Nightmare on Elm Street other than this movie, start to finish, is probably one of the most perfect horror films of all time. You know, I, I know that I can be critical of some, you know, movies, especially original movies, you know, Cough, Cough, Friday, 13th Part 1. But <laughs> I, I, there is not a more perfect, I, I think, entry into the horror genre than Nightmare on Elm Street. I would even go as far to say is that as much as I love Halloween and the original Halloween is always going to be my favorite. If you were to compare them in respect to their genres um, and, and to their series, I think Nightmare on Elm Street is more explosive than the original Halloween um, I this, mean, to me, it does what you've always talked about with Friday the 13th, right? right? You've always said that, hey, let's take the first three and make it one movie and just kind of have some of that backstory just hinted at and, and some flashbacks. That's kind of what this that's what this does. Right. Yeah. It, it, it Instead of making one or two movies showing 
Freddy Krueger in the real world. It just it starts with the okay, bam, here we are, and we're gonna slowly unveil and give flashbacks and story telling you how we got to there instead of you know making a whole movie about it. So yeah, absolutely, and, and that that is a very good point. It, it definitely does it does something that a lot of horror series can't do, um, and obviously Robert England is perfect as Freddy. Robert England is a master of horror. And, and, you know, we watched the documentary and you get to kind of see some of the inside of how Robert, you know, got into his, you know, into the style of what he wanted to do with Freddie. And it's just, you know, Robert England is such a talented actor. And I, I think that this, among other films that he have done, it really proves how talented he is. And, you know, and it's just it, it's incredible because this movie started a legacy, a legacy that Wes Craven and Robert England, in my opinion, built. And it's going to be an ongoing legacy. I, you know, I, you know, it's just, I don't think anybody's ever going to forget about Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it's just so cool. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, a, again, it's, it's, I think it's a movie that will continue just generation to generation. People will discover it because I mean, Freddy Krueger has crossed into the, 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 the pop culture consciousness. It is, you know, he has uh, as a character, you know, superseded his franchise and people know who Freddy is that don't even necessarily have, watch horror movies, right? And it's that's just the way it is, right? You have you know the the Freddy Krueger, the Michael Myers, the the Jason Voorhees, especially those three that have kind of crossed over where people know who they are even if they don't watch the movies, typically. And um and and, and even you know they they may not watch the movies but they still most of them will know Freddy Krueger was in Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's something to be said. And um when you when you've crossed that 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 line and uh again a uh, that, that's our countdown of our top nine but again what we're talking about and how this is superseded plays heavily of course there's west craven of course there's a story and everything else but a lot of that success and a lot of that weight uh rides on the man under the makeup and robert england we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to discuss robert england and the upcoming documentary on him Listen to Their Screams is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code listen to screams at checkout. That is listen to number two and screams. Or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, we're back here on Listen to the Screams, and we're going to do a pretty quick review. Uh, I don't want to give a lot of details and go too deep into it because I want people to really watch the documentary and, uh, and and really get the you know the details and the information themselves. We'll, we'll maybe hit a couple high notes here. But the the documentary is called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares: The Robert England Story. Uh, the documentary is getting ready to be released on Screenbox on June 6, which happens to be Robert England's birthday. So happy birthday, Robert England! Uh, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm sure you I'm sure you just tune in to to hear two dudes talking about your franchise. Uh, but then the movie will also be released in Steelbook and Blu-ray on July 25th. It features interviews with Robert England and his wife, Nancy, as well as fellow genre icons, Lynn Shea, Eli Roth, Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, Adam Green, Bill Mosley, Heather Langenkamp, and more. The documentary follows England's career from his early days in Buster and Billy and Stay Hungry, uh, where he starred with a very young Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, to his big break in the 1980s as Freddy Krueger and then to his directorial debut with 1988 horror film 976 Evil to his iconic acting status and current roles such as Netflix's hit series Stranger Things. Well, that's a mouthful. And uh, again, but that is that is a long way to say 
Robert England is Freddy Krueger. He's spectacular as Freddy Krueger, but man, there's a lot more to Robert England than just Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And um, you 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 take it for granted when you watch him as Freddy Krueger of just how talented Robert England is. But what I want to, like I said, I don't want to go into a whole lot of details, but my biggest takeaway from his documentary is this. And, and it's, it's it's something that I, I, I really like when I hear it. Robert England, just as talented as he is and, and, and experienced as he is and everything else, man, he is just on all accounts by all people's, you know, firsthand accounts in this documentary. He is just a great guy. Right. Yeah. He is so kind. And all these people said the first same thing. All these young actors in these horror movies said the same thing. Here I am with Robert England, who's an icon. And all he cared about was helping me. And he would come up and I don't know how many actors in this in this documentary said he would come up and, and set me at ease. Right. And, and tell me, hey, don't worry about you're going to be great. We're going to have fun. Just relax. Or he would come up to them and say, hey. I really like your work. I saw you in this movie and they thought, what the hell? No one saw that movie. How did Robert England see that movie? <laughs> and, and, and they, you know, people say that, right. He is such a film fan. Uh, I, I know there was a couple people that said it in the documentary that they don't know if there's anybody they've ever met who's watched more films than Robert England. And, and to me that, that shows that he is doing what he's doing because of a passion and a love. And, uh, and I like, I, I like when guys are, do that right where they pass the torch and they help others uh and that was so spectacular um and the other thing that i really picked up this documentary that really really hit home with me especially today as we're recording uh today is the anniversary of the release of the original star wars movie in 1977 did you catch the part like where robert england said that he auditioned to play han solo i did i did and didn't he also wasn't he the one that he gave a script to uh yeah to uh, Mark Hamill Mark Hamill for that film yeah he auditioned for Han Solo didn't work out he 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 played it differently than what they wanted I love Robert England but let's be real they Harrison Ford was Han Solo they they did right and right. Um, but yeah when he was leaving he saw a I, I'm not sure what they called there was a term he used a a reader I don't think it was a full script but it was like uh, I think it was sample lines to audition with. I, as by just what I got, right? Just a, maybe just a segment of the script. And it was for Luke Skywalker. And he picked it up, was looking at it, and essentially took it with him. Apparently at this time, he was really good friends with Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill was always over at his place, hanging out, having dinner. And he saw Mark Hamill that evening and gave it to him and said, hey, I really think you'd be great for this. And you should audition for this. And he said right then, Mark Hamill called his agent and said, hey, get me an audition for this. So if, and, and I have no reason to believe it's not a true story. If this is true, Robert England is the reason Mark Hamill auditioned and became Luke Skywalker. That is wild <laughs> to me. That is yeah. that is cracks me up at how things like that work out uh, in Hollywood. I mean, because it's you know, can you envision anybody else playing you know Luke Skywalker but Mark Hamill? And and it, it just blows my mind. Uh, but again, yeah. there it is. The guy didn't get a part but helped somebody else into an iconic role. I mean, it's just you know, yeah, just great. Um, but again, uh, I'll wrap up, Mike, and let you talk. But I, I, I really enjoy the document. I love documentaries, right? Especially when it's about like you know something I'm passionate about, like horror movies. And uh, and obviously, Robert England is worthy of a documentary that is done right. And this one's done right because the, the, one of the good thing is how it talks to so many actors. It talks most with Robert England. 
right? Yeah. It's 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 a full, pretty much full career interview with him throughout this thing. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I think this was a great documentary. I think it was what was it, two hours, a little over two hours, and um, it, I mean it's it, it's great every minute of the thing. I highly advise people go to watch it. Like, what do you think about the documentary? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I do have to agree. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think that the biggest takeaway that I have from this movie is that Robert England is just like, honestly, just a really genuinely good dude. I mean, I basically the entire, you know, documentary is talking about how Robert England was just like this normal guy, basically, who was a, just a really good actor. And he just was just like this dude who basically helped everybody. I mean, you know, he had a lot of influence on some of these young actors who were, you know, acting in these movies with him. And, you know, and while he's carrying on this legacy and they do talk a lot about how, you know, how stagnating it can be to be kind of typecast as this, yeah. you know, person, you know. Yeah. And they do they do talk about that a lot. And, and, and it, you know, and that part of it can be unfortunate, of course. But, um, you know, I think the big thing is that Robert, you know, he he talked a lot about how, you know, this movie is foundational. And in a lot of ways, it's made huge motions and huge waves um for his life and you know and it's just it's really intriguing and you know and obviously not to dive into too much but it's just really intriguing to hear him talk and you know talk about this ride that he's been on in the acting world and yeah i mean did he just pretty much say that it came to the point where he felt such a weight right and so sh- shackled by playing this role and didn't he just pretty much say one day his wife said oh boohoo get over it <laughs> i mean it's like yeah come on <laughs> There's worse things than this. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, it's like, and so he's like, I just had to let it go. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, and, that, and that's the truth. I mean, it's, it's hilarious, but it's like, yeah, I mean, what, what do you, you know, I guess not, he wasn't crying about it, but it's like, it's kind of like that situation. Like, what are you crying about? You're like one of the most famous horror icons on earth. Like, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you, you know, I understand. Like I said, he was, you know, such a talented actor. There's so much more he could have done, right? I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, he could have done some unbelievable parts, but he wasn't going to get those because of you know who he was and what he done. And and it is what it is. And uh, you know, that's what happens, right? That's what happens, you know, when you get in a role that's so iconic. You know, but and the other side of it is, though, I mean, say what you want, you'll never be forgotten, right? I mean, it'll always be freddy krueger in people's minds and when they picture him it's always going to be him and um so yeah i, I mean i, I do I, i'm not i've never been in that position but i can understand how it's frustrating especially to someone who enjoys acting so much and really would have liked to stretch you know stretch his wings and done some other things uh but you know but it is what it is i mean you you i mean what you know there's there are pitfalls of certain kinds of successes and uh and i, I think you know I think all in all, though, it's okay. <laughs> I think, yeah. and I, and, and I'm just happy that, that he's kind of come to peace with it. And, and you know, that is, that's in no way to say he ever resented the role or, or resented doing it. That, he did not give that indication in any way, shape or form. There was a whole other side to this thing where everybody said they've never seen somebody more giving to fans with his time and attention at conventions and so on than he is. It, it's, that's not to, you know, I know we're, we're saying this, like he, he lamented this. No, it's not lamenting. And he didn't, you know, he doesn't, uh, he, he enjoyed the role. He loved the role. He's very appreciative of the role and the fans. Right. It, it, it's just that, you know, there's that part of him, that, you know, we always, you always think, what if, you know, what if I could have done this or, you know, tried out for this? And, you know, you always think that. So, 
But uh, again, I would highly advise people to watch this when it comes out. Um, if, if I mean, if you're a horror movie fan, if you're a fan, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street, this is I'm, to me, it's a must view. Uh, you just have to watch it. And it does talk about, you know, his other roles and, and other things he's done. It, it essentially goes through his career, uh, you know, all the way through from the beginning up and hits, you know, pretty much the majority of the highlights of the movies he's done. Not even just Nightmare. I mean, so it, it talks a lot about uh, the different things he does, including, as we said, up to uh, his recent appearance in the Stranger Things series and yeah. everything else. So uh, but it was I think it was great. It's a, it's a very well done documentary, very thorough. And uh, and again, it I think it gave a what seems to be a very accurate portrayal of Robert England as well as celebrating his career. It's I think it was I think it was well done. Yeah, 100 percent agreed. But again, that will be out on Screenbox. On June 6th, which is, again, Robert England's birthday. So that's pretty cool how they how they put it out on his birthday and everything else. So go check it out. Once again, it is called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert England story. Screenbox, June 6th. Uh, like we said, highly advise it. So, Ike, we've ran kind of long, had a kind of a long episode. Hopefully everybody sticks with us. Hopefully everybody has enjoyed our discussion of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I will say, everybody, get we get good feedback on these franchise episodes. They typically run a little longer. People don't seem to mind that because they, they kind of like where we talk about the whole series. So uh, next episode, though, we're going to discuss a movie that's getting ready to come out in theaters called The Boogeyman, an adaptation of a Stephen King story, getting ready to hit theaters. And we're going to talk about that on our next episode here. But, Ike, before we close out and get out of here, anything that uh, you want to add? It's prime time, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. So until next time, when we'll be back here on Listen to Their Screams, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you follow us on social media. When we join you again, Ike will be on the other side of vacation. And uh, be uh, he'll be rested and primed and ready to go and talk about horror movies more with all of us. So until then, wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe. And have many pleasant nightmares.